Good to have your company. I'm Dr. Barry Harker and you are listening to The Bible Teachers. Pastor Danny Malenkoff is our speaker. He's continuing his series called The Search for Certainty. Hello, Danny. Hello, Barry. Danny, in our first program of the series, you examined the great outline prophecy of Daniel chapter 2. What's our topic today? Well, today, Barry, we're going to be looking at five major signs that Jesus gave concerning his coming. I've entitled the message, Signs You Can't Ignore. Sounds appropriate for our times. Absolutely. I look forward to what you have to say. It's over to you again. Thank you so much. Today's message is entitled, Signs You Can't Ignore. You'll recall from our previous presentation that we took a look at that incredible prophecy that God gave to that ancient king, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the most powerful nation in the then known world some two and a half thousand years ago. That dream that the king received from God that outlined the rise and fall of nations from his day all the way through to the coming of Jesus. We discovered that at the very end of time, it will be Jesus Christ who will establish the final kingdom on earth. That kingdom will last forever and ever and ever. It will be a kingdom that will be composed of joy, peace, love, and happiness for all who will be part of his everlasting kingdom. In this program, we will discover together that we are literally living life on the edge of eternity. We are, as someone once put it, living life on the knife edge of eternity. So today we want to ask the question, the all-important question, how close are we to the establishment of this everlasting kingdom of love that Jesus Christ will bring to be at his soon return? This is our question for today, and before we open up God's Word together, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Father in heaven, we ask and pray that as we open up your Word together today, that you will bless us. We pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Help us to know how close we are indeed to the second coming of Jesus, and more importantly, how we can be ready to receive him when he comes. So as we open up your word, once again, we pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds, that we may be willing to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to begin by going to the ancient city of Jerusalem, where on one occasion, only hours away from his death, Jesus gave an incredible prediction to his disciples. This is what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1, we read these words. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. In the book of Mark, chapter 13, verse 1, this is what Mark records. The disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. The disciples shared with Jesus the incredible temple structure and what an incredible and beautiful building it was. It was the pride of the nation of Israel. Notice what Jesus shares with the disciples. He shares in verse 2 of Matthew 24, And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus here makes an incredible prediction. He shares that this temple 
that was the pride of the nation would be cast down. It would be destroyed. Not one stone would be left upon another. Now, as far as the, the, the Jews were concerned, um, the destruction of Jerusalem meant the end of the world. And so the disciples asked this question. Matthew 24, verse 3. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus went on and he predicted that Jerusalem would indeed be besieged, its temple completely destroyed. This took place some 40 years later in 70 AD when the Romans came and they attacked the city, completely destroying the temple where not one stone was left upon another. Thousands of Jews died uh, during that conquest but that wasn't the end of the world. You see, in this incredible prophecy in Matthew 24, Jesus not only foretold signs that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem, but also signs that would take place around the world before his second coming. Amazingly, Jesus was able to weave both these events together in this incredible chapter of Bible prophecy that we will look into today together. Notice Jesus went on and he said, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places nonsense cry the skeptics these are not signs of jesus coming there have always been kooks running around claiming to be christ there have always been wars and rumors of wars pestilences famines and earthquakes these are not signs of the end ever since the beginning of time we have had these things take place in our world and many besides nonsense well, the skeptics haven't read far enough. Jesus didn't conclude with these words. Notice what Jesus goes on and says in verse 8 of Matthew 24. Jesus says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. It's a very interesting word that Jesus used, sorrows, and I believe that he used it for a purpose. It was back in 1996. November 14, to be exact, when my wife and myself made our way to the Belmont Hospital there in Newcastle, looking forward to the arrival of our firstborn. We didn't know whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. We were just so excited. You see, my wife was two weeks overdue, and you ladies out there in particular will know that if, if the baby hasn't come for that period of time, then it's time to, to induce and, uh, and to bring on the, the labor pains and, and, and the birth, ultimately. Well, that's exactly what took place. My wife was induced, and nothing was happening at first. In fact, everything was just going along so smoothly, we thought the baby would never come. And so I decided to go and have some lunch because I was hungry. You know what it's like. Guys are tending to think about their stomachs in all times, and this was no exception. After lunch, I came back and things had completely changed. No longer was my wife interested in listening to me try and humor her and try and, and try and help her deal with the moment. No longer, 
no, no more interested in me giving her massages and all these other things I had learned during those baby classes that you go to. Um, things had changed dramatically. The labor pains were coming closer together and, um, and they were more intense. And that evening at 7.28 p.m. on November 14, 1996, the Lord blessed us with our first child, a beautiful baby girl, Jamie Lee. Now, it's interesting, that word that Jesus used for sorrows is the word birth pains. Notice what Jesus here is saying. Jesus is saying that, yes, there have always been wars and rumors of wars. There have always been earthquakes and pestilences and famines and people claiming to be Christ and people claiming to have a message from heaven. But before I come, those labor pains will intensify and they will come closer together. Notice, labor pains. These Pains, these sign that Jesus gave, this analogy that Jesus gave, uh, are signs that are visible, they're progressive, and they're climactic. So today we want to take a look at the signs of Jesus that he gave us. We only have time to take a look at five major signs that Jesus gave us, all in Matthew chapter 24. There are many more besides. We'll deal with some of the other signs in, in future presentations, but today we only have five Time for five of the major signs that Jesus shared. So let's begin by taking a look at signs in the religious world. You'll remember the words of Jesus. We read them earlier on where Jesus answered and he said to them, to his disciples, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, we have had many individuals down through time, in particular of recent time, who have claimed to be Christ. One individual who you may remember, David Koresh, and the terrible tragedy that took place there in Waco, Texas, some time ago. Here within our own country of Australia, I discovered that there is an individual by the name of Alan Miller, who lives there in the, in the Riverland District, um, up north in, in, in Queensland's Bible Belt, and he claims to be Jesus. And his partner, uh, Mary Luck, claims to be Mary Magdalene. And so he has followers believing that he is Jesus Christ and his partner or his wife is Mary Magdalene, and they've set up base there, and uh, many are following in their footsteps. Well, you may be thinking, Danny, I'm not that crazy. I'm not going to go following after a, uh, a David Koresh kind of character or, a, or an Alan Miller. I'm not that kind of person. Don't insult my intelligence. Absolutely. I agree with you. I probably won't go chasing after an Alan Miller or a David Koresh. But notice what Jesus said. Notice these words of Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 24. Notice what Jesus says. For false Christs, and false prophets will rise and show great signs or miracles and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, who are the elect? The elect are Bible-believing Christians. Notice how they will be deceived. According to the words of Jesus, they will be deceived by the enemy and we'll discover a little more of, 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 of how that will all take place in future presentations but they will be deceived through great signs or great miracles and wonders I have discovered that people are willing to place their faith and trust in what they see and in what they hear rather than in the word of God and so in this series the search for certainty we will discover that there is only certainty to be found in God's word unless we are grounded in God's word unless we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God as Jesus, as Jesus shared with Satan when he was tempted to go outside of God's word, we will be deceived 
The Bible is clear. Jesus says even the very elect. Let's move on to the second sign that Jesus gave. In that sermon in Matthew 24, Jesus said there would be signs in the political world. Notice his words. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, ever since the beginning of time, there has been war and conflict. Ever since the day that Cain killed his brother Abel some 6,000 years ago, this world has been saturated by blood and death and conflict. However, the significance of Jesus' statement, as we, as we noticed earlier on with that incredible analogy that he gave of the labor pains, is that Jesus predicted that just before the end there would be conflict on a global scale. Has this been the case in particular, in the past 100 years, you will know of the many wars that have taken place in the past century, World War I and World War II and many others besides. It is estimated that more than 180 million people lost their lives in the past century. This has never been the, the case in any other century in Earth's history. I came across this incredible and very interesting and timely Time magazine front page back in January of 2009 and the title, One Word, Again. And it has a picture there of another conflict erupting there in, in, in the Middle East again. And that is the message that we are so used to. Again, there is another conflict. Every day we turn on our TV news, it seems that there is another conflict, another war. There is another uprising somewhere in some part of the world. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. We are certainly living in perilous times. Today we live in a nuclear age. Today we have the ability as humans to destroy the world through nuclear warheads many times over in the space of, of, of an hour or less. Today, we have the potential to destroy this world. Notice these words recorded some 2,000 years ago by the prophet John in the book of Revelation. Under inspiration, he wrote these words. The nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And notice these words, and those who fear your name, small and great. And now these are incredible words. Pay attention to these words of John and that you should destroy those who destroy the earth. These words were laughed at by the skeptics of, of 2000 years ago and beyond. A time when man would be able to destroy the earth? Incredible! How foolish were these words in the eyes of so many skeptics? How could man destroy the world with stones and with spears and with swords? These words were impossible up until today. We are now living in a time where for the first time in human history, man has the ability the potential to destroy this earth. In Luke 21, verse 26, 
the parallel chapter to Matthew 24, Jesus went on and he said, men's hearts would be failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. Are we today living in an age of fear? Well, the answer is obvious. I don't need to tell you that we are indeed today living in an age of terror. Ever since those two twin towers came down on that fateful, infamous day, September 11, 2001, we live in an age of terror. There is terror everywhere. People are afraid. As Jesus pointed out, men's and women's hearts would be failing them for fear. Today, we live in an age where people are afraid. People are afraid in their homes. People are afraid at the airport. People are afraid in the marketplace. There is no safety anywhere and in any place. That's the kind of day Jesus predicted would precede his coming. I came across this interesting Time magazine article and in case I haven't shared it earlier, I'll share it now. I subscribe to Time magazine. It gives me it gives me a rundown on what's taking place during the week in the world. I'm I'm a kind of busy person. I don't have time to watch the news each day. So it gives me an opportunity to find out uh, in a a big picture sense what's been taking place in the world. And on this particular occasion, I received this Time magazine and um, the front page read what really happened between 2000 and 2010. So the authors of Time, they took a look at our previous decade, the first 10 years of the third millennium, and they wanted to look at what life was like in the year 2000 and then what life was like in the year 2010 and do a comparison. There was a lot of data, a lot of statistics and so on and so forth. But I found it interesting when I looked at the data concerning terrorist attacks around the world. You wouldn't believe it. But in the year 2000, there were 423 recorded terrorist attacks around the world. In the year 2009... At the end of 2009, some 10 years later, in one year, in 2009, 10,999 terrorist attacks were recorded around the world. We have become so used to hearing of another terrorist attack. And for us, it's no big deal anymore. We have become desensitized and then people are like, oh, well, what's the big deal? Pass me the potatoes and we get on with life. We don't think anything of it because we see it on such a regular occurrence. December 7, 2009, the Time magazine headline read, The Decade from Hell. As the authors took a look at our previous decade, this decade that was supposed to usher in a new millennium of hope and happiness and prosperity, instead, it was the decade from hell. Notice what Jesus said in Luke 21, 28. Now, when these things begin to happen... Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Notice Jesus made it clear that when we see all these things taking place around us, when we see men's hearts and women's hearts failing them from fear, when we see catastrophe, when we see a time where men and women are able to destroy themselves many times over, when we see these things happen, Jesus said, look up. Don't look around you. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at others, but look up 
because it is at that time that your redemption will come. Your redemption is drawing near. So it's not a time for us to be discouraged. It's not a time for us to be down and downcast. It's a time to look up, to realize that all these signs are telling us that Jesus' coming is very, very near, even at the doors, as Jesus shared. Let's take a look at our third sign that Jesus gave us, signs in the world of nature or signs in the natural world. Jesus in Matthew 24 verse 7, and we've read these words, but let's be reminded once again. He said, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Let's begin with famines. Do we have famines today? Well, you know, I know, we all know that almost one billion people, according to the United Nations, go to bed hungry every night. In Australia, we are blessed with, with much food and with many resources. We don't understand what it's like to go to bed hungry every single night, but almost one billion people around the world know that all too well. That is those who are blessed to be able to get up in the morning and survive the night. Today, we live in a world that is filled with pestilences. Now, what are pestilences? That's, a, that's an old English word. It's a word you can find in your dictionary. And it simply means a strange disease which afflicts human beings, crops, and the environment. Today, we have strange diseases that are afflicting humans and the environment and and. and Animals and crops and so on and so forth, one after another. We call some of them superbugs. And um, hospitals are not exactly the safest places where superbugs reside. And so there is no safe place from these pestilences. Today we live in a world where pollution is filling our airways. Pollution is filling our rivers. It's filling our seas. Pollution is everywhere It's an ecological crisis like at no other time in human history. Let's take a look at what Jesus had to say regarding earthquakes. He says there would be earthquakes in various places. Today, we know of earthquakes. In fact, not so long ago, we had that terrible earthquake strike Christchurch. Our friends and neighbors uh, across the ditch. We've had terrible earthquakes take place in various places that have snuffed out the lives of hundreds of thousands. When it comes to earthquakes, I had experienced, I experienced earthquakes firsthand whilst living in New Zealand, was blessed to live in New Zealand for six years. That's where um, my family began its ministry there in a beautiful place called Palmerston North, there on the west coast of the North Island. And the very first time, I'll never forget, when an earthquake struck, it was the middle of the day, and all of a sudden we just felt things shaking. The the ground beneath us shook. The, the furniture began to shake, and my wife came running out of the kitchen and put her arms around me, hoping that I could do something to help her. We grew used to earthquakes. Um, after a while, we got so used to earthquakes because there are so many there in that part of the world. And those of you who are from New Zealand, you will know that all too well, that um, an earthquake would happen and we would look at one another and continue on with our business. But one thing I did discover is that earthquakes and living in an earthquake zone does bring a couple closer together. It brought my wife and I a lot closer together when she jumped into my arms. 
hoping that I would be able to help her and save her. So if your if your marriage needs some um, needs some help and needs to be put on some solid ground, you may want to consider New Zealand as a place to draw closer together. Uh, well, with with all that aside. The truth is, earthquakes are deadly and very destructive. But the skeptics have pointed out that we today are able to monitor earthquakes unlike they were able to monitor them hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. Today we have special equipment whereby we are able to monitor an earthquake, the slightest earthquake far below the surface of the earth, whereas before they were not able to. So today we can say we have thousands of earthquakes. Back then they could only monitor a few each year. So these are not really signs at all. This is just a sign that technology has grown and we are able to detect them so much easier. Well, I remembered what Jesus had to say regarding earthquakes in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 11. Jesus here in this parallel passage to Matthew 24, says there will be great earthquakes in various places. Great earthquakes. So I decided to do a little bit of research. I went onto the official earthquake monitoring website, uh, the United States Geological Survey Society. They are the official monitors of all earthquakes around the world. So I didn't go to some conspiracy website uh, to try and drum up some support for what Jesus said would take place just before his soon return, that there would be an escalation of earthquakes. I went to the, to, to, to the very right source there at the USGS, the US Geological Survey website. I came across a very interesting article written by two geologists, one by the name of James Savage, his friend by the name of Tom Holzer. And this was the title, Earthquake Catastrophes and Fatalities Projected to Rise in Populous 21st Century. They went on and they shared their research. They had researched earthquakes from 1500 AD all the way to the very present time. And notice their conclusion, and I'll just read a little of it. Predicted population increases in this century can be expected, that is in the the 21st century, can be expected to translate into more people dying from earthquakes. There will be more individual earthquakes with very large death tolls as well as more people dying during earthquakes than ever before. According to a newly published study led by U.S. Geological Survey engineering geologist Thomas Holzer um, with his companion James Savage, they went on to write that in this coming century, they are anticipating based on the research and the data, and we're talking about significant earthquakes catastrophic earthquakes which they which they have termed 50,000 deaths or more so you don't need a fancy dancy instrument to tell you that an earthquake is taking place they estimate that based on their research and the way things are taking place that in the 21st century there will be a tripling did you notice a tripling of the seven great earthquakes that are that that took place in our previous century in this coming century. So we're expecting 21 great earthquakes based on the data. What did Jesus say? Men's hearts would be failing them for fear. That is why, my friends, over 1,500 scriptures point to the second coming of Jesus. That is our only hope. 
the greatest earthquake will usher in the coming of Jesus, the book of Revelation tells us. We're looking forward to that great and grand climax of human history. When we come back, we will take a look at the remaining signs that Jesus gave us that lead to the second coming of Jesus. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abn That is radio at the number 3abn Australia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3abn Australia Inc., PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus made it clear that he would come in a time of earth's history when this world was literally falling apart at the seams. Thus far in the three signs that we have taken a look at together, we have discovered Jesus' words that just before he returns, those contractions would intensify. Those contractions in the world would come closer together. But the good news is, my friend, we don't need to be afraid. As Jesus pointed out, we simply need to look up for at this time in earth's history that we are living in, we can simply cry out our redemption is drawing near. Jesus is about to usher in his everlasting kingdom of love, joy and peace where there will be no more war, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more earthquakes, no more pestilences, no more diseases. The good news is, my friend, that although this world is spiraling out of control, it seems, Jesus still holds this world in his hand, in his nail-scarred hands. And if he can hold this world together in his hands, he can hold your life also. So I want to encourage you to continue to place your faith and trust in the hands of Jesus. There is no one else to trust in but Jesus. Let's continue on with our fourth sign that Jesus gave us. Jesus also spoke of signs in the social world. Notice what we read in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37. Jesus went on and he said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What was it like in the days of Noah? We read in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 these words. The Bible describes the days of Noah. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Do we live in a violent world today? Is violence growing each and every day? Notice the main problems, according to the teaching staff in schools in 1940. Notice what the big problems were. Here were the seven big problems. Talking out of turn, number one. Chewing gum, making noise, running in the hall, cutting in line dress code infractions, and worst of all, littering. Wow, terrible. 
problems in the 1940s in schools. How would you ever survive as a teacher in the 1940s? You'd probably want to be a teacher in the year 2000. Notice how things had improved in schools. The main problems in the year 2000 in schools, number one, drug use. Secondly, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, assault. It doesn't sound like you'd want to be a teacher in the year 2000. Can you see how things have dramatically changed? Those contractions have gone through the roof. They've gone off the Richter scale. Notice I took a look at the Australian Institute of Criminology and I discovered from between 1995 to the year 2007, assaults, these are only assaults that have been recorded. There are far more estimated, maybe twice as many, if not more, of assaults that go unreported. But we went from some 8,000 assaults reported in 1995 to to some 16,000-plus assaults in the year 2006-2007. That's a doubling of assaults. And our population, in case you were wondering, didn't double in Australia from 95 to 2006-2007. Jesus went on and he said, and because lawlessness will abound, and we see clear evidence of that, the love of many will grow cold. Sadly, today we live in a world in particular here in our Western world in Australia where almost half of those who say I do come to the point of where they say I no longer do. Sadly, children are caught in the crossfire between husbands and wives going their separate ways and there is so much sadness and heartache and sorrow involved in the breakup of the precious family unit. What else was it like in Noah's day? The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, And it came to pass in Noah's day when men began to multiply, notice that word, multiply, on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. Notice during the time of Noah there was a population explosion. Do we have a population explosion today? Well, the answer is obvious. Notice these statistics. In the year 1880, we finally reached 1 billion people on planet Earth. It took almost 50 years for us to reach our second billion. Today, we have grown from 2 billion in 1930 to 7 billion people and counting. Today, we are living in a time where the world population is exploding like at no other time in Earth's history. The Bible also says that in Noah's day, there were scoffers who did not believe that the flood was coming as Noah predicted. Notice what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, writes Peter, that by the word of God, the world that then existed perished, speaking of the time of Noah being flooded with water. So in the days of Noah, there were scoffers. There were mockers. The scientists were saying, it's never rained before, as if it's going to rain now. you got to be kidding. Noah, you're a crazy man. You need to be put away. But the Bible is clear. Just 
as God's word came true all those years ago during the days of Noah, so too God's word will remain true and will be fulfilled to the very letter in relation to the coming of Jesus. So why hasn't Jesus come yet? Why is he waiting? Notice what Peter goes on and he says in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, speaking of his second coming, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That how many should come to repentance? That all should come to repentance. Notice why God has not sent Jesus yet. Everything is in place. Everything is in readiness. But the reason why Jesus has not come yet is that God is not willing that any should perish. God wants all to give their hearts to Jesus, all to surrender their lives to him, all to come into the ark, so to speak, and to be saved. Notice Peter goes on in the very next verse and he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. God is absolutely crystal clear. This world will completely be made new. This world and everything that is in it will burn up, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says, in which righteousness dwells. God will create a world in which there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. God is waiting for as many as are willing to give their hearts to him. My dear friend, as you listen to the word of God, as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart right now, why don't you right now make a decision to commit your life to Jesus? Jesus is waiting. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to repent and to turn to him, and he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly forgive. There is no better time than to give your heart and life to Jesus today. Jesus went on in Luke chapter 17 and verses 28 to 30. Jesus went on and he shared, Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, what was it like in the days of Lot? There is much we can say regarding the days of Lot. But the Bible gives us a description in the book of Ezekiel of what it was like in the days of Lot. Notice these words found in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride fullness of food, an abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Notice what life was like during the days of Lot as he lived in the land of, as he lived in the city of Sodom and, and its sister city of Gomorrah. Notice people living in Sodom. They had a lot of food. They, had, they were full of food, the Bible says. They were idle. They didn't do too much. They were full of pride and they did not strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Do we live in a world like Lot lived there in the days of Sodom? Notice I took a look at that um, Time magazine um, article that I shared with you a little earlier on. What really happened between 2000 and 2010? They shared that in the year 2000, there were some 857 million people estimated to, to be doing it tough, to be hungry. 
To put it simply, doing it more than tough, they were hungry. They didn't have enough food to eat. They were going to bed hungry every night. In the year 2010, that number, as I pointed out earlier, had jumped up to 925 million. So in 10 years, we have 75 million more people who go to bed hungry every night. Now, you may be thinking, oh, that's not too much, 75 million out of 7 billion people. My friend, let me remind you, that is three Australias, three Australias more going to bed hungry today than 10 years ago. But notice also during that same period of time, the billionaires of this world increased from 306 billionaires in 2000 to over 1,000 in 2010. Whilst the poor are getting poorer, or as someone rightly put it, the poor are getting babies, the rich are getting richer and richer and richer. Today, the wealthiest 1% of the world have more wealth than the bottom 95% of the world. This has not been the case Ever since the beginning of time, we are living in unprecedented times. Yes, it's true, the days of Lot were days of gross immorality, and we see that all around us today. But the days of Lot were also filled with individuals who cared only about themselves and not much about those who were, who were hungry or those who were needy. Today we live in a world where there are continual protests Continual protests around the world, not just in the third world, but in the first world. Individuals protesting that they can no longer make ends meet. Pensioners can no longer make ends meet. Prices are going up and up and up, whilst wages are either remaining stagnant or are decreasing. Population growth is growing as well as unemployment growth. And today there are problems on so many different fronts. Economically, we live in a world that is that is living life on the edge. At any moment, economists tell us this world, this world can can slide in a way that we cannot even begin to imagine. We are living in unprecedented times, and today is not the time for us to put our faith and trust in dollars and cents, to put our faith and trust in our credit cards, in our bank accounts. Today is a day when we need to place our trust and our faith in God and His Word, in Jesus Christ alone. For it is Jesus Christ alone that will see us through these final climactic days that will precede the coming of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to continue Continue to put your faith and trust in Jesus and to lean wholly on him as that beautiful scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 reminds us. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him that is God and he will direct your paths. If ever there was a time for us to trust in God and in God alone, it is today when, when the economy is falling all around us and there is no safety and security in anything that this world provides. So how much longer is there before the coming of Jesus? I think of my two little girls, and um, when they were little and uh, we lived 
We lived in Australia after coming back from New Zealand. We lived in a beautiful place called Port Macquarie there on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, an extremely beautiful place to live. And whilst living there in Port Macquarie, we would head either up to Brisbane where my, fam- where my wife's family comes from or down to Melbourne where I come from. And it wasn't very long into the trip when my two girls, one of them or both of them often, would ask their favorite question. You know what their favorite question is, don't you? That's exactly right. Are we there yet? Are we there yet, Mum? Are we there yet, Dad? And we would smile, of course, and say, we're getting there. We're almost there. And then the question would be repeated not too far down the road. Are we there yet? I can just hear Jesus saying, I know my children are crying out. This world is indeed falling apart. And my children are crying out, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer, Jesus? How much longer before you usher in your everlasting kingdom of love, joy and peace where there will be no more want, no more worry, no more woe? where there will be only happiness and peace and joy. How much longer, Jesus? How much longer? Jesus says, we're almost there. There is one more final sign that must be fulfilled, and then the end will come. This brings us to our fifth and greatest and final sign that Jesus gave that will usher in his return. It's the gospel to all the world. You remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 6? We read them earlier on, where Jesus said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not. That's exactly right. The end is not yet. The end is not yet. But notice several verses later, In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Jesus said, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Man will have the capability of producing nuclear weapons, atomic weapons, but the end will not come because the end will only be ushered in when the everlasting gospel. What's that word gospel mean? It simply means good news. The good news about what? The good news that Jesus loves us. The good news that Jesus died on Calvary's cross. The good news that Jesus is coming to save all those that have put their faith and trust in him. The gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. It's interesting to note that in the year 1800, the Bible or parts of the Bible could be read in 70 languages, approximately 70 languages of the world. Today, the Bible is accessible or parts of the Bible, is accessible in more than 3,000 languages around the world. Today, individuals in all countries, all around the world, have the privilege of hearing the everlasting gospel, the good news about Jesus and his love, and that he's coming back soon. Those who are not privileged to hear the spoken word from a preacher or an evangelist or a teacher, they're not able to receive the Bible in their hands. They're able to click on 
the internet and they're able to to hear the messages of God's love and that Jesus is coming back soon. The advent of radio and you are listening to radio is a sign that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. This is being broadcast around the world on radios near and far sharing that same message that Jesus is coming soon. I find it interesting that our world has been made up of several different ages. As I thought about this, one day it struck me that for almost 6,000 years, we have been living in a time where life has been going on earth, business as usual, year in and year out for hundreds, for thousands of years. I have termed this the pick and shovel age. You won't find that reference in any encyclopedia or in any book. That's a reference that Danny has come up with, the pick and shovel age. That's the kind of world we lived in from the days of Adam and Eve all the way to about 200 years ago, when all of a sudden we have the advent of the industrial age which is followed by the atomic age, followed by the space age, followed by the nuclear age. And today, what age do we live in? That's right. We live in the information age. You remember the words of Jesus? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but do not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Jesus said, yes, the nuclear age will come. Yes, there will be the atomic age. Yes, there will be the industrial age when, where, where man will produce bullets and guns and bombs. But that will not usher in my coming. My coming will be ushered in by the proclamation of the good news. And the information age is a sign, a powerful sign that God has raised up the information age to to proclaim the everlasting gospel through various media to all around the world. So today, whilst there are wars and pestilences and earthquakes and tsunamis and terror and all sorts of mayhem taking place all around the world, today the gospel is going forward and is being shared. Jesus gave us clear global end time signs, signs in the religious world, in the political world, in the world of nature, in the social world. And the final sign that we've looked at today, the final sign the worldwide proclamation of the gospel. What do all these signs mean? Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, notice these words from Jesus. When you see all these things, know that it is near, that is my coming is near, Even at the doors. Wow. Jesus said, when we see all these things come to pass, we can know that his coming is near even at the doors. So you be the judge, my friend, based on what we have looked at thus far. Is the coming of Jesus near even at the doors? Are we listening to the warning signs that Jesus gave us? I want to share with you as we bring this message to a close, the story of Tilly Smith. Some of you may have, most of you probably haven't heard of Tilly Smith. Tilly Smith was only 11 years old when, along with her mum and dad and her younger sister, in 2004, she made her way to Thailand, to the island of Phuket, for summer vacation. 
She grew up in Oxshott, Surrey, in England, and she loved going down to the beach. Those of you who are from England, you'll know that it's not kind of the best weather around Christmas time there for going to the beach, and so the family all headed to the beach. Well, young Tilly was playing there on, on a beach there on Boxing Day 2004 when all of a sudden Tilly recognized something very interesting taking place in the water. She recognized bubbles bubbling. She saw the tide going out suddenly. She saw boats and, 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 and other craft there in the sea bobbing up and down. And immediately young 11-year-old Tilly Smith recognized that a tsunami was on its way. You see, two weeks before, in a geography lesson there in, in school where she lived in Surrey, England, her geography teacher had shared with her how we can know when a tsunami is about to take place. What are the signs? And, and the teacher had gone through all the signs. And so Tilly Smith knew what was taking place immediately. She shared with her mother and father that there was a tsunami on its way. Whilst, whilst other curious tourists were looking at what was taking place and taking a look at the coral and the fish that were left behind as the tide had suddenly gone out, thinking this was fascinating and collecting shells and other bits and pieces and just having a lovely time, Tilly Smith shared that this was no time to be having fun, no time for fun and games, no time to be curious, but this was a time to head to higher ground because a destructive tsunami was on its way. Her mother and father weren't quite sure. They didn't want to alarm uh, the entire beachgoers and, and make a big scene, but Tilly, Tilly would not be stopped. Tilly was adamant that they must act at once. So the lifeguards were notified and all 100-plus people were evacuated from that beach. Within the space of two or three minutes, that terrible, destructive tsunami came through and destroyed everything within its path. This beach where Tilly Smith was on was one of the very few beaches in Southeast Asia where the tsunami struck that not one person lost their lives. Why? That is because young Tilly Smith, she knew the signs and she was able to warn others of the signs of the coming tsunami, and she was able to save many lives. Tilly Smith had the privilege of meeting President Bill Clinton and many other dignitaries. She was, she was voted as Child of the Year by a number of magazines and societies. Young Tilly Smith is an example to us that we too can share with our neighbors and friends that Jesus is coming soon to prepare them that they need not be lost but that they can be saved by Jesus who is coming soon. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Jesus is coming soon, my friend. There is no doubts, no buts, no ifs. Jesus is coming and he wants to take you to be with him forevermore. What are God's plans for you? I want to leave you with this beautiful scripture in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 where God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Notice what the plans of God are for each and every one of us, to give us a future and a hope. And the only one that can give hope is Jesus Christ. And that's why his coming is referred to as the blessed hope. So will you join me in making a decision right now 
to give your heart to Jesus. That's all. That's all you need to do today is make a decision to give your heart to Jesus. Is it your desire to be ready for the soon return of Jesus? If it is, my friend, I want to invite you right now to bow your head with me as we pray, as we thank Jesus that he is coming. He is coming soon and he will bring an end to all the suffering, the sin and the sorrow and usher in his everlasting kingdom of love. Will you join me now as we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the promise of Jesus. We thank you so much that although we see all these terrible things taking place around us, these things that bring so much heartache and sorrow to countless millions and billions around the world, Father, we thank you that we can have hope. We can have hope that there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. And that bright light is Jesus. That Jesus is coming back soon and that when he comes, he will take with him all those that have put their faith and trust in him. Oh, it is my prayer, dear Lord, that every single person that is listening to this message right now will surrender their hearts to you, Lord, that they will invite Jesus into their hearts and that they will simply say, I want to be ready for your coming. O oh Lord, in these coming sessions together as we discover what it will be like to be ready for your coming and how we can be ready for your coming, we pray that you will guide and lead us. So bless us, bless each person, bless the families of those who are listening and continue to lead and guide us until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.